Good morning. We're so glad you're here. Would you stand and worship with us? God, we welcome you into this place. We are here for you and you only. We worship you and we give you all praise and glory. We ask that you would pour your spirit out today. Pour your spirit out. We are your church. We are your sons and daughters. We've gathered here to meet with you.
are pouring out all over us right now, Lord. Your Holy Spirit is filling this place. And you fill every nook and cranny of our lives, Father. If we just open up our arms to you and let you pour in. Your word in 30, Psalm 36, 8 through 9 says, They drink their fill of the abundance of your house, and you give them drink of the river of your delights. For with you is the fountain of life. In your light, we see light. Thank you for filling us, Lord, for renewing us, for replenishing us, for pouring over us grace, mercy. I put up my hands and I just catch it this morning, Lord. Thank you.
breath, Lord, we give to you. With every breath, bring you praise. God, we thank you for your presence in this place. Thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your mercy, your grace. This song about new wine means a lot to me. It talks about in the pressing and the crushing. And I feel the Lord saying that that time is over and it's time to get out of that wine press. And it's time for the new wine to flow. That new anointing, that new power, that freedom. He says, here it is, it's yours. Some of us have, have had to endure that a long time, the pressing and the crushing. It's time. It's time. Some of us are in that wine press, but it's our own doing. That pressing and that crushing, God is saying, that was not for me. But I have new wine for you anyway. Sometimes we keep ourselves there. In that, in that pressing. Maybe it's our unforgiveness. Maybe it's bitterness. Maybe it's, you know, our own, our own self-condemnation. That's not of God. He says new wine is ready. New power, new anointings, new gifts, new mercies, new grace. So let's receive that today. God, we receive that in fullness. We receive all of you in fullness. In the crushing, in the pressing, you are making new wine. In the soil I now surrender, you are breaking new ground. So I yield to you and to your careful hand. When I trust you, I don't need to understand. Make me a vessel. Make me an offering. Make me whatever you want me to be.
still before we do anything, before we go any further. Let's take a moment and just linger in what we just heard and what we just sang and what we just experienced. Just take a moment to dwell and to be still and to breathe. Just take a breath. Father, we wait before you. Father, we honor you and we are grateful. New power, new freedom new season, new roads, new open doors, new favor, fresh oil, fresh fire, fresh anointing. By faith, we receive what you are releasing to us right now. We receive your grace. Oh, we embrace your mercy. We receive your joy, the fruit of your presence, the fruit of your spirit, love, joy, and peace. We receive them by faith. In fact, under your breath, just say it. Say, I receive. I receive you, Lord. I receive all you have for me today. Just acknowledge that with your mouth. Just engage your mind, engage your mouth, engage your spirit. Lord, we receive. I receive all that you have. All that you have, all that you are, I receive by faith. Lord, I don't need goosebumps or fuzzies to know that you're here, to know that you're present. And by faith, I receive the fullness, the fullness of all that you are, the fullness of your spirit, the fullness of your gifts fullness of your blessings, fullness of your presence. Yeah, in Jesus' name, everyone said, amen. You can sit down if you can. You can be seated. Uh, my name is Jimmy Pruitt. I'm the lead pastor here at The Bridge. I want to welcome you today. Those of you online, thanks for joining us. We're thrilled that you're here, and it's just so refreshing to be in the presence of amazing people. I mean, that's I think every week I look forward to this moment, and I love everything we do here. I love the things we do during the week. I love our staff meetings are like revival on steroids, but I love being with you and just being around you and hearing what God's doing in your life, hearing, even hearing the challenges that you're up against. It's such a privilege and a pleasure to be with you, and so thank you for being here today. Thank you for worshiping passionately and worshiping with your whole heart, and uh, it's just good to be together after Snowmageddon and Ice Apocalypse, whatever we all had, 
Icepocalypse. That was crazy. But I'm the lead pastor here at the bridge. I want to welcome you. Those of you well, uh, watching online, thanks for being here with us. Our prayer for you every week is that you'll experience the same atmosphere, ethos, presence that we get to enjoy here and in the live setting. So thank you for being here and do participate in every way uh, with us today. And again, we always appreciate hearing from you online, where you're from, what you're learning, what you're getting out of everything. It's just great to connect and we love our extended family who are all over the place. So thanks for being here with us today. And if you have any prayer requests and you're watching online, you can email us at info at Com and we'll get that out to our prayer team. We want to pray for you. And that same for us here. If you have any prayer needs, prayer requests, uh, be sure and stop by the Connect Center on your way out. Fill out a prayer card. Put it in any of the black boxes, or you can hand it to whoever's working the booth today, and they'll get that to the right place. But we want to pray for you and stand with you. So feel free to do that. Those of you that are first-time guests, welcome to the bridge. We're glad that you're here. Can we welcome our first-time guests with a handshake? Great to have you. You know, there was a day where we would high-five, fist bump, and whatever, and, uh, you know, who knows, right? Uh, we hope this thing will pass and lift, and we can all start handshaking and hugging again. So I miss hugging a lot of you folks. So anyway, great to have you again. want to also, if you are a first-time guest, we want to welcome you by saying and saying thanks just uh, with a gift bag. In fact, Wendy's got that. That's got some all kinds of goodies in it, and we just want to say thank you for being here, and thank you for given your time to be with us. So if you'll stop by the Connect Center on the way out, fill out a Connect card, and we'll give you one of these gift bags. got all kinds of good stuff in it. So that's just to say thanks for being here. So again, we love you and we appreciate you. We also want to always remember and lift up our very important people. So we take a moment. We do this in each service to pray for those that we've written down on our VIP card. If you don't have one of these, you can get it at the Connect Center on your way out. It's got 14 blanks. On one side, we're praying for people to reconnect People who have, for whatever reason, life has happened and they're just away. And we want the prodigals to come home, come back to Jesus, come back to family. So we pray for them. On the other side, you, there's seven blanks you can fill out. And this is praying for those who do not know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. And our desire is for them to come to a knowledge of the truth, a saving knowledge of the truth, that we, they would be born again into his kingdom, born of, the, of water and of the Spirit, as Jesus talked about. And so there's seven blanks there. So those that are in your orbit and people that you know that you want to pray for on an ongoing basis, write those names down, then keep this handy, then every Sunday we'll take them out and we'll pray over them. So if you'll join me right now in prayer, we're going to pray for our VIPs, our very important people. We're going to pray for the other churches in our community who are gathering this morning as well. And we're also going to pray for our nation. So if you'd bow your heads. Father, we're before you today. And Lord, we lift up. There are very important people that we have written down on these cards. And whether we have a card or not, there are people that we hold in our heart that are important. And they're either away from you, and maybe they've known you in a prior season of their life, but for whatever reason, they're away. Father, we call them home. And Lord, there are people that we've written down either on this card or written in our heart that are friends and family that do not know Jesus Christ as Savior. They don't know the truth that sets them free. They don't know the peace that passes all understanding. They don't know the joy of the Lord that is their strength. And we want them to know. So we pray for those who do not know Jesus Christ, that they would come to a saving 
knowledge of the truth. That they will know the truth that makes them free. Lord, we pray for other churches, our sister churches all throughout our community who are meeting today. Lord, we ask for revival, spiritual awakening, and outpouring, Lord, that you would come in power and in presence and in grace. Father, upon every church in our community, that they would be blessed today, they would be growing, that they would, people would come back to the house, so to speak, come back to church who've been away, but it's time to regather and, and reconnect, Lord. So we pray for every church today in our area, in our region, for outpouring, revival, the move of your spirit upon them. We pray, Father, for our nation. We are a nation in crisis. We're a nation divided. And Father, whether we're talking on political levels, ethical and moral levels, or spiritual levels, we are a nation that is fragmented, and we need you. Our heart, Lord, is to repent and to return to the foundations, Lord. This country was founded on the word of God and freedom, Lord. And so, Father, we pray for our nation. Lord, we're not going to get our eyes set on every news article that comes out, every uh, newscast, broadcast, every video we watch, everything that comes our way, Lord. We're going to set our mind on the things of the kingdom. Your word says in Colossians 3, 2, to set our minds on things above and not on things on the earth. And so even now, we, we set our minds to be right thinkers, to think well that we may live well. And to not be bogged down by the cares and concerns and worries of this world. But even with our feet planted firmly on this soil, Lord, we know that we're here to make a difference. So that's our heart. We pray for our leaders. Ask you, God, to fill them with your Holy Spirit. And Lord, as your word says, that the heart of the king is in your hand. And you turn it as you will. I'm asking you to turn the heart of the king to Jesus. To Jesus. We pray this in Christ's name. And everyone said... Amen and amen. Thank you for being in agreement with me on that. Just so you know, too, we have another resource for you. And these are at the Connect Center. You can get as many of these as you want. This is your identity in Christ, because here's the bottom line. If you know who you are in Christ, you'll know what to do next. Our, our motto around here is we'll do the next thing Jesus tells us to do. The only way we can know what Jesus is telling us to do is when we know who we are. So this card will help you do that. It's got scripture on both sides, and it is designed to help you Declare the truth of God over your life. So you can pick those up on your way out. Get as many as you need, and we're glad to get those to you. Also, I want to uh, highlight this. Mission Day Candelia, one of the ministries that we support and partner with, they are needing these hygiene packs as they're starting to make uh, mission trips back into Mexico. Praise God, they're able to get back in, and they're making a huge difference. This always smells so good. I'm not lying. So uh, that's why I keep it open up here. So... Uh, it's the Irish Spring, I think. So anyway, um, so we need these. And if you would, if you'll stop by the Connect Center on the way out, pick up an information card, and it tells you what we need and how to do these simple bags. Uh, they're very inexpensive to put together, but what these do, these become an opening for the gospel. We meet a physical need, and then we have the privilege and the opportunity to go into an open heart because the physical needs met, the heart is open. And so the mission, the gospel goes in. So if you would, we need these ASAP. We lost a week and a half, nearly two weeks over this uh, Asmageddon, whatever we're going to call it. And uh, so we really need to get on this. Now, 
they're due today, but we will take them because we need to continue to supply these. So if you would pick those up and help us out, that'll be a massive help for that ministry. Also let you know that we have a Bridge Life membership class. Membership matters to us. Belonging, connecting, being a part of something. To me, if something means enough for me to connect and join, then I want other people to join and connect as well. And so we want to invite you to become members of this church. So if you've thought about that or maybe haven't and thinking, wow, I didn't know we're going to do that, we are. And that'll be on March 7th, Sunday, and it'll be right after the second service. We'll meet in the family room over here. We'll have a light lunch, so we need to know you're coming so we'll know how many to prepare for. So if you would, you can go online at bridgefbg.com and you can register for this class or you can stop by the Connect Center on the way out and sign up. So it'll help us tremendously. Also, to let us know if we need to get child care for you. We'd be glad to do that. So those are our announcements today. And now I want to shift gears and talk about one of my favorite things, and that is communion. If you didn't pick up one of these cups, a communion cup on your way in, uh, who do we have? We have Amy and Jason back there. They're going to bring these to you. So if you'd slip up your hand, we'll get that to you and get it in your hands. Those of you that already have yours, if you would, go ahead and open it up. Uh, clear layer first, you're welcome, and then the gold. There we go. There. So as that comes your way, I just want to remind you that the point of communion is that we do two things. We remember, Jesus said, remember me. When you're together like this, I want you to remember. And what do we do when we remember? Well, we remember a person. He said, remember me. So when I think back and I think and I remember Jesus, I don't think about what Jesus did, although that's amazing, and what he's doing. And I don't just think about who Jesus was, and I do that too. But more than everything or anything is I Think about who Jesus is right now, right here in my life. So I want to invite you in the context of communion to think about who is Jesus to you right now. Now, we're going to talk about remembering back to other times and spiritual markers and those things later in the message. But right now, who is Jesus to you right now? Is he Lord is he savior? Is he friend? Is he all the above? Is he king? Lord of lords, king of kings. Is he the lion of the tribe of Judah? Or is he the lamb of God? He is all of those things. What is he to you right now? So as we pause for a moment, I want to invite you to think about who is Jesus to me. And remember that and be thankful and be grateful. And Jesus is with his disciples. The night before he was betrayed, he took a piece of bread. He said, this is my body given for you. Notice he didn't say taken. Nobody could take Jesus. But he gave it. He laid his life down. He took up a common cup, which would look much like the goblet you're seeing there, just a common cup. And he held it up and he said, this is my blood. My blood, it's, it's poured out for you. And he says something curious. He says, it's for the remission of sins, of many sins. The word remission means removal. It's for the removal of many sins. His body 
his blood. Jesus, we are thankful. We are grateful that you were willing to lay your life down so that we might have new life. And Lord, we're grateful. I'm thankful that you didn't just put a bandage on my heart. You didn't put a splint on either side and tape it up just so hold it would, my old heart would hold together. You actually gave me a heart transplant, what we call a beautiful exchange. You exchanged my old heart. You gave me a new heart. So my heart isn't desperately wicked anymore because in Christ, you've made me whole. In Christ, you've made me free. In Christ, you've made me new. How can I not be grateful? How can I not weep? How can I not worship? How can I not praise you? How can I not dance as ugly and awkward as I am? How can I not dance before you and say thank you? Thank you for your grace. Thank you for your love. In this moment, I remember not only who you were, not only what you did, but who you are right here, right now. I honor you and thank you. In Jesus' name, everyone said amen. You can take the elements. Jason and Amy are going to come back through. They've got trash receptacle. They'll put those in. You can just drop those in for you, and uh, they'll get those taken care of. Now we want to dismiss our kids to their Bridge Kids classes. So we want to pray for the next generation. And listen, folks, let's just be real. They've got an uphill battle. Amen? We need to pave the way for them. One of the things we can do as a church family is pray not only for them, but pray over them the promises of God. So would you join me in praying? our young ones. Father, in the name of Jesus, we lift up our kids, our bridge kids. We bless them. And Lord, we know that you have a destiny. You have a plan for them. And Lord, we want to enter into that and, and do all that we can within us and, and within the grace that you've given us to protect their destiny. That the enemy would not be able to derail them off of their course. And so, Lord, we speak hope over them, life over them, the ability to resist and to stand firm on the foundations they are being taught right now in these Bridge Kids classes. Lift up Lori and the team and Crystal and all that are involved as they continue and edit and everyone who's involved as they continue to teach, lead, and pour into the next generation. We bless them. Father, anoint them to bring life and hope. In Jesus' name, everyone said amen. Let's clap for our kids as they go to their class. As they head that way, we also want to celebrate, and in, in, in the context of worship, in the spirit of worship, we want to celebrate generosity. And I want to say thank you for being generous. You are amazing. We've had a two-week weird bump, and so thank you for being consistent and faithful and continuing to give and give strong. We are truly blessed. And here's what, I'm just thinking about the covenant that was made with Abraham this morning, where in that covenant, God tells him, he says, you're going to be blessed, and through you, all the families in the earth are going to be blessed. And by the way, we're, that was a forever covenant. There's some covenants that are old and not new, and that's a forever covenant. And I was thinking about the fact that we 
as families and as a family are blessed to be a blessing and we're, ble- we're a blessing to all the families in the earth. We do that through many ways. Many of you have done it over the last few weeks as this craziness has happened. You've been out fixing wells, helping people take down trees and boy, talk about firewood out the wazoo, right? I mean, you've been helping and ministering and bringing water to people and taking care of people. Man, that is, that's doing the kingdom. That's doing it. That's one way. Another way is through giving of our resources. And one of the things we get to do is we get to be a blessing to all these ministries. Because remember, you don't give to the church, you give through the church. So I want you to see and get your eyes on all these ministries we are blessed to support. And as you get your eyes on them, maybe one of these will stand out to you. And would you pray for them as we pray together? Now, you'll notice there's black boxes around the sanctuary and the worship center. So we're not going to pass the plate. So during worship, uh, this next song, we'll invite you to get up out of your seat and go give your offering. And those of you that do it online, thank you so much. That's helpful. So let's pray together. Father, we love you and honor you and bless you. And Lord, even as we worship, we worship in our giving because we've received so much from you. How could we not? And so, Lord, we worship in our giving and we celebrate this amazing, beautiful exchange of new for old, your life, our life. We are grateful. In Jesus' name, everyone said, let's all stand together. Still mercy for but my attention. You were waiting at the door, and I let you.
is nothing that could take this love away. And my only desire and sole ambition is to love you just the same.
holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. We honor you and bless you, God. We linger before you. We pause We gear down. We take it out of overdrive. Just like Joshua, lingering in the tent of meeting, waiting. No rush, no hurry. Just being with you. Holy Spirit, would you literally minister into every Every crook, every cranny, every space, every crack, every undone seam, every hidden room of our lives, would you by your spirit, even now in this moment, reach in and flood us with light and with life and with grace and with mercy and with hope and with shalom, peace. Nothing missing, nothing broken. Hallelujah. Thank you, God. Somebody needs to just breathe. Take a breath. everyone said amen and amen you can be seated Isn't that our heart to overflow with his praise, just to lift him up and stay before him? Well, we're talking about redigging the wells. You know, before snowpocalypse happened and we had this uh, unplanned break in the action, uh, we were doing a series called Redigging the Wells. Now, think of it in this term. There are things that have happened in your life along your spiritual journey that you would be able to say, that's a marker in my life. A lot of times, markers, spiritual markers would be people. Be people who mentored, discipled, or led and modeled by example uh, what it meant to live for Christ. And, and it, you can go back to and say, 
that person impacted me by their life, either what they said or what they, how they lived or who they were. And, but also, spiritual markers can be other things. They can be things you've attended. When Annette and I went to the, uh, or I went the first time with Evan Archilla and Jason Pete, went to the boot camp up in Colorado with John Eldridge, the basic boot camp. And uh, I went with an open heart and an open mind. You have to understand, I've been in this 37 plus years. I've been to a few conferences along the way. And it's easy to get jaded at those things because you're like, okay, been there, done that. I went with an open heart, and God completely left hooked me. I did not see it coming. I might have had the right covered, but I didn't have the left covered. I mean, he just like, boom, out of nowhere. And I tell you, he just opened my life. And I can now go back and say three years ago, that was a marker for my life. Annette had the same similar experience when she went to the female version of that with Stacy Eldridge. And uh, so that was really, we both have these things along the way where we can say we were impacted and touched. Those are spiritual markers. Now, a lot of times life goes on. We move on. Life happens. A lot of the disciplines and practices and things that we learned while we were in those moments that were so imprinted on our heart, they get left behind because we move on. Now, that's just a part of growing and maturing. But sometimes we run off and leave things that maybe we shouldn't have. And so redigging the wells is the idea of going back, believing there's still water, there's still life in those wells. And so going back, it may be going back to a practice, to a discipline, to something that you used to do, and maybe you don't do it anymore. Uh, for, like, for example, journaling. I mean, I, I journaled from 1985 on. I've got my entire life written down. And then I switched gears and started writing devotionals every day, which became my journal. But it's different than journaling. I'm writing because I know other people are reading it, so I'm going to do something I think will encourage and bless others. It's totally out of my own experience, but still, it's different. And so a well that I'm redigging is going back and writing in journals again and journaling personally so that my kids will have something to there won't be this big gap. <laughs> oh, wow, Dad, for 12 years, didn't do anything. Well, I wrote devotional things every day, so... I want them to see that. Now, other wells. So think in terms of what are disciplines, practices, things that you learned on the way that maybe you're not doing anymore, but there may still be life in those practices. And so that's what redigging the wells is all about, going back and revisiting. Could be a song that ministered to you in a special place. Every time Wendy sings, it is well. I turn into a puddle over here. Don't look at me during that song. I'm just going to be a mess. Because that was the song that we picked for my mother's funeral. She died young. She died at 45. I was a college student at the time. And so that song has deep meaning for me. It is a well. And it's a deep, wonderful well that still gives life. So every time we do that song, while there may be something, and oh, that's an old song, we put a little modern spin to it. Yeah, I know that song. I'm over here a mess because God is ministering because that's a well that's still bringing life from my past. So that's the idea of redigging the wells. So I want to take you back to some things I talked about before snowpocalypse happened, and then the week after that, I wanted to address directly things that we were experiencing. So it's been a few weeks since we visited this. So I want to take you back to this. If you look at the title screen, Think Well, Live Well, we want to talk in terms of our mindset, the way we think. Think of it this way. As the head goes, so goes the body. As the head goes, so goes the body. As a man thinks, 
in his heart, heart being the light, the life of who you are, the soul, who you are, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he, the scripture says. As the head goes, so goes the body. As we think, we act out of what we're thinking. In other words, uh, another way to say it would be, we leak out what we're full of. Hopefully, we're leaking life. Amen? Another way to say it is, we become what we behold. In other words, that which we linger on, that which we stay on, that which is the main thing, we become that. We take on characteristics. We take on pieces and elements of that. I know that for men and and women who were spiritual markers in my life, I took things on from them. I took things away from that relationship and incorporated into my life and my practice. They Im- impacted me that way. So, we, we, whatever we gaze upon, whatever we behold, we become. So, that principle is so important. Now, we talked about the last time we were together, and we talked about this, the scripture that you see on the screen, 1 Corinthians 2.16, and it says this in the second part of that scripture, we have the mind of Christ. Is that not a mind blower? That blows my little pea brain mind to know that my mind is now over here and I now have the mind of Christ. Listen, there are a lot of scriptures that I call power scriptures. This is one of them. And the reason this is so powerful is it means this, that the one who created the planet that we're living on, you think Jesus is big? Hey, he created Australia, family. Come on. He created Texas. Come on, somebody. God's big, right? And it says this, we have the mind of Christ. Let that blow your mind. That means you're much bigger on the outside than on the inside than you are on the outside. You have the mind of Christ. Now let's be real. That doesn't mean we're always appropriating that. Can I get an amen? There are moments where I have to say, whoa, stop. Stop. You're thinking about this in the natural. You're thinking about this in the flesh. Lord Jesus, according to your word, I have your mind. I have your mindset, your mentality. I hold the thoughts, feelings, and purposes of your heart because I have your mind. And you have to sometimes re-engage that. So that's what started this whole thing of thinking about thinking well, living well. Because here's the deal. If we think well, we will live well. And don't you want to live well? Don't you want to be whole? Don't you want to be somebody who shows up and in a room and you don't part the Red Sea that that actually people want to come be around you because you're so full of life, so full of grace, so full of peace, so full of joy? I don't know about you. I want to be around those kind of people. Don't you? Well, you know what? Here's the beauty. You can be one of those people because you have the mind of Christ. So think well, live well. I want to share something with you, and this is from Marcus Aurelius, and we shared this, or I shared this a few weeks ago, but it's worth revisiting. He was one of the Roman emperors. There, he was one that was a good one. And anything you read, if you look him up, brilliant, genius individual. Some of his quotes are stunning and powerful, like this one. Look what it says. The soul becomes dyed with the color of its thoughts. Ooh, let that sink in for a minute. The soul becomes dyed with the color of its thoughts. I said, you become what you behold, right? The soul becomes dyed with the color of its thoughts. Whatever we're thinking, we become. It's a powerful thing. 
So as we move through this, I want to share with you a well that I have redug, and it's one of those wells that I didn't know there was a name for it until recently, until like the last three years. But this is something that I've done from early on. In fact, I recommended a book, and some of you actually went out and got the book. And it was a book by Gordon McDonald called Ordering Your Private World. Great book. Highly recommend it. He'll, he'll lead you in. It's kind of a, it's, it's sort of a beginning step into ordering your inner garden, your private world, getting your mind fixed. It's so good, so good, and I highly recommend it. I'm going to recommend another book as we close today. For those of you who like, you know, readers are leaders, if you like to read, then I'll give you something else to read in terms of this. So I read that book a number of years ago, and in that book, he introduced me to a man named Brother Lawrence, who was a 16th century Spanish monk. In fact, he worked in the kitchen of a monastery, a little bit like Nacho Libre, I'm just saying. He worked in a kitchen of a monastery, and he was lame. He was physically lame, so he had a very difficult time. So by all worldly appearances, you would say he was kind of on the bottom of the totem pole. You know what I'm saying? I mean, by all worldly accounts, this man didn't have a lot to offer. He was lame. He worked in the kitchen of a monastery out in the middle of nowhere. And yet, this man became sought after by important people, by bishops, by kings, by dignitaries, because they heard that this man's walk with God was so intimate and so powerful that they wanted to be close to this man. He wrote a series of letters called Practicing. They were put together into a little booklet called Practicing the Presence of God. And in that booklet, he just talks about how he practices God's presence and how he brings God into everything he does. Even flipping an omelet, he does it for the glory of God. He said, I would not bend down and pick up a twig off the ground, but not for the glory of God. Can you imagine living that way? Well, there's a name for it. And the name for it, of course, practicing the presence of God, but what people today are practicing, and this is something that's been important to me, and I've been doing it for years, I just didn't know there was a name for it, and it's mindfulness. You may see it, it's a real popular term right now, but, it, but it's such a good word to be mindful. So I want to give you a definition of mindfulness because what we're talking about is appropriating the mind of Christ and learning to slow down, gear down, come out of overdrive at least into fourth and at least say, you know what? I'm going to pause. I'm going to breathe. I'm going to rest. I'm going to linger. I'm going to be and not always do. Remember, you're a human being, not a human doing. Hello? So listen to this. Here's the definition of mindfulness. Mindfulness is, I broke this out, just gathered from my thoughts on it, but if you were to ever look it up, you'll see it's very similar. It's the intentional act of living and being fully aware, engaged, and present in the moment. It is being in any given moment without judgment, accepting that moment as it is and appreciating it for what it is. I'll explain this. It is clear to me that Jesus lived his life mindful and present in every moment. 
Now here, I want to explain a couple of things. It's being in any given moment without judgment, accepting that moment as it is and appreciating it for what it is. The reason that's important is that we have a tendency to get in a situation and our first thought is, how do I fix this? How do I change this? How do I turn this? How, we, we move forward out of the moment into a solution instead of actually realizing I am in a moment and accepting that moment as it is. That doesn't mean you're going to stay there. But to stay in a moment without judgment means you're actually there. There's a syndrome. There's probably a name for it. If somebody knows, feel free to tell me. And it's this. Someday, or I'll be happy when syndrome. I'll be happy when I have enough money in my retirement. But until then, I'm a mess. I'm nervous. I don't know what I'm going to do. What if, what if, what if? Watching the stock markets, watching interest rates, watching your CDs, watching your IRAs, watching your, what if, what if, what if? But I'll be happy when. I'll be happy when I find the right person. Listen, you'll never find the right person. Right people are made. Come on, somebody. You know, there is not a right person out there. Right people are made through sanctification and growth and maturity and development and failure and getting up and starting over again. Real people are made. Right people are made, not found. I'm going to let that simmer just for a second because that was good. That was, <laughs> that was really good. Somebody write that down for me quick so I won't forget. I'll be happy when my kids graduate and we're home alone. It's a myth. I'm just telling you from one who knows, they always come back. <laughs> They're never really gone. I'll be happy when syndrome. And so many people live out of the moment because they're not going to be happy until. And it's, listen, that is a, that's that carrot that you will never catch. And so we have to find where we are, appreciate and value where we are, even if it's a difficult place. And I know this by experience. We've all found ourselves in places we did not want to be. But the worst thing we can do is live so out front of that that we miss the lessons and the treasures to be unearthed and found in that difficult moment. And it's sort of like a pass-fail test. Anybody remember those from your college days? Oh, if I could just make a C. If I could just pass. If I could just get by. Oh, I made a D. I've got to retake the test. Here's the thing about the tests that God brings when we don't navigate well the moment we're in. We get to retake the test, family. See, God is so much more concerned about your character than he is your comfort or your convenience that he doesn't mind throwing another test your way. He's like the best possible professor you could ever have. He will not let you get away with it. He loves you that much because he's crafting your life. He's crafting your character. God is forming a man. God is forming a woman. Amen? So live in the moment, find in the moment, because I believe Jesus lived his life that way. It's imperative that we learn to slow down and pace ourselves for the long haul. Mindfulness is the art of embracing what Alan 
Fadling came up with, he wrote a book called The Unhurried Life. You want a good book to get? That's a good one. The Unhurried Life by Alan Fadling. A-L-A-N, Fadling. Embracing an unhurried life. You ever find yourself just walking through your house and it dawns on you, why am I running? Why am I speed walking? You ever seen those speed walkers in the Olympics? Man, they're moving their hips. They're moving their arms. They're going for it. They walk faster than I could run. But why are we running? What race are we trying to win? I've learned this the hard way in terms of driving. See, I'm about to step out of preaching into meddling, so get ready. <laughs> but I'm talking to myself, just asking that. I have learned... We live, what, 15 miles out, 14 miles out? We're not very far out of town. So I got a little drive in, a little drive back out. Love that drive, actually. I enjoy it. But I've learned that if I'll set my cruise on 68, 69, or 70, that I probably get there maybe 15 or 20 seconds less than if I do 75. Because it's only 15 miles. Do the math. Some of you are better at math than me. Maybe I'm a little off on my numbers. But I'm just saying, I don't really get anywhere any faster by speeding. And ultimately, there's always that one guy in the single lane road. Does anybody else have a one guy in their life? Every time that I'm in a hurry, there's that one guy. If I'm in a line at the store, I get that one checker. If I, it doesn't matter. Wherever I'm at, God loves me so much that he will test me and prove me. And, and I guess I get to take that test over and over because I fail it every time. God is working on me. Oh, my gosh, is he working on me. But we have a stretch of road that goes down to two lanes. You can't pass. It's over by Bear Creek Road. You're not going to pass. And I'm telling you, that one guy is on the road every time. Guess what? I learned that if I will drive 68 miles an hour, I become the one guy. And I'm impacting all these people's lives. <laughs> and now I'm the guy driving going, why is everybody in such a hurry? It has become freeing for me. Frustrating for anyone behind me, but it is freeing me up. Because I'm now that one guy. Listen, why are we in such a hurry? Jim Elliott said one of the most profound quotes. This is the quote of my life, my favorite quote ever. This will probably end up on if I ever have a tombstone or my urn, whatever we do. I don't know what, I haven't decided yet. But whatever I end up, I want this quote somewhere there. And Jim Elliott, if you don't know, he, he and Elizabeth Elliott were missionaries down in South America. He was a pilot and they were flying uh, supplies, medical supplies, and various things. They were trying to reach some unreached people groups, some tribes down in, in uh, the Amazon. And long story short, they were taking some supplies in, trying to reach and make contact with this one tribe. And they landed on a sandbar in their plane, and they got out of the plane. And at first, it looked like they were being welcomed. And the tribe was going to welcome them in. And the tribe turned on them and they killed the entire crew. It was spears and it was horrible. There's a great movie about it called Tip of the Spear. You should watch that. There's a book too. And so, so Jim and, and his friends, his co-missionary men, were all killed and murdered on that sandbar. 
The end of the story is this, the rest of the story, to use Paul Harvey's great word, is that not too long after that, when people were saying to Elizabeth and the ladies, so you're going to leave and go back to, you, to the United States, and they're like, why would we leave? God called us here. And they're like, well, your husband's, God called us here. So they didn't leave immediately, and what happened was is a disease tore through that village and tore through that region, and people began to die in that village, in the very village that had killed or produced those warriors that had killed Jim and his compadres. And what happened was is that um, Elizabeth gathered up a team, and they took, hiked in, took medical supplies to the very people who murdered her husband and their husbands. And if you read the book or see any, you can Google this online. It's a fascinating story. There are pictures, goosebumps, there are pictures of the actual guy who murdered Jim Elliott standing with Elizabeth Elliott with their arms around each other. He came to know Christ. She led him to Jesus. You talk about closing the loop on forgiveness, unforgiveness. It's a great story. So when somebody like Jim Elliott says something, I pay attention. And here's what he said, and you can look on, see it on the screen. Wherever you are, be all there. Think about this for a minute. Wherever you are, be all there. You should write this down. Wherever you are, be all there. Wherever you are. Wherever you find yourself in that job you don't like, wherever you are, be all there. In that marriage that's not, that's, that's filled with tension and strife, wherever you are, be all there. Wherever you find yourself, be all there. That's the heart of mindfulness. That's the heart of having a mentality that I'm going to be here because this is where I need to be. This is and could it be this is exactly where God has placed me? We don't like to visit that often. We like to think that we're the captain of our own soul. That, that we're here because of what somebody else did. We're victims of a whole big systemic thing going on. But could it be, whatever the circumstances are, that you're actually right where you're supposed to be right now? And can you imagine the power of being where you are, all there, Tapping into the mind of Christ, the mindset of Jesus, and saying, God, use me right here, right now. I'm about to say something that's going to be edgy, but needs to be said. There are a lot of people sitting in this room that are frustrated by the presidential election. A million reasons why we're frustrated. But the man that's in office, for whatever reason, whether I agree or don't, you probably don't have to think too hard on this one. I have a responsibility to pray for him. And can you imagine what would happen if every blood-bought, spirit-filled, full of God, believer, man and woman, all together at one time prayed that office could it be that the one who holds a king's heart in his hand could turn that 
But what I see on social media and other places is a lot of complaining and griping and people being upset, angry. We talked about anger a few weeks ago. Could it be if we would turn that into prayer and intercession? We tapped into the mind of Christ. We obeyed what the word says about praying for our leaders that God just might turn that heart. We don't know because we've never done it. What could happen? Food for thought. I'm going to leave it there. I'm going to invite the worship team to make their way up. Don't be distracted by them. They're going to come up and get ready. Listen to this. Ephesians chapter 5. We'll end with this scripture. Ephesians chapter 5, 15 and 16. Look what it says. Be very careful then how you live, not as unwise but as wise, and here's what wisdom looks like. It, he gives you, here's what it looks like. Making the most of every opportunity. Living mindful, living aware, practicing the presence of God. Receiving the mind of Christ and saying, wherever I'm at, I'm going to trust that I'm supposed to be all here right now. Looks like this. It looks like making the most of every opportunity. Sometimes we're trying so hard to get out of what we're in that we miss the moment that we're in. and We miss the value and the opportunity to bring hope and life and the presence of God right there in that ugly place. If it's like a pass-fail test, and I'm pretty sure it is, can you imagine if we passed the test that we're in right now. Can you imagine the difference? First of all, of your attitude and mindset while you're in it. But second of all, of the impact of how God would use you while you're in it as you leak out the life that's in you to impact that situation, that circumstance, that workplace. One story and I'll close and we'll be done. Annette had a very difficult job when we lived in Nashville. I had a fun job. I worked for Dave Ramsey. It was a party all the time. I mean, it was amazing. We did Battle of the Bands. We did costume days. I mean, it was like going to youth camp every day almost. Didn't make much money, but it was fun. Loved my job. Annette, on the other hand, led a doctor's office, a dental practice, with 14 employees and two doctors, one of which was a diva. And I'm telling you, it was rough. In fact, she literally... While she was there, the PTSD that she suffered coming out of that just destroyed her endocrine system, her immune system. I mean, it destroyed her. I mean, coming out of it, she, she was in six months of recovery when we moved here. It was so taxing and so difficult. And the crazy thing is, is about the time she was ready to throw in the towel, she led a meeting where she said, why don't we pray before we and God used Annette in that horrible environment, the worst morale, employee turnover. She started leading a prayer meeting, and one of the girls who I would have never thought would say this, she was like one of the worst, said, we should do this every morning. And they started having a prayer meeting before they started their day every morning in this place. Now, here's what it looks like to me, because I'm a visual thinker. Picture a big box, and this is the box you're stuck in. 
and you can't go outside the boundaries. What they did by bringing Christ into it, and there's crazy stuff that went on in that place. It was supernatural, weird stuff. It was built on a, on a grave, on a graveyard. A lot of stuff in Nashville is built on graveyards, FYI. There's a lot of graveyards there, and it was built on a graveyard, and, and several of the employees named this thing. What do they call Huh? Yeah, they named the ghost. They, they actually invited the ghost to come in. I mean, it, it was, that's how weird it was. In fact, one time Annette said, I know how to get rid of that ghost. I'll just pray in the name of Jesus. And they're like, don't do it. Don't do it. We like him. <laughs> I'm serious. That's how weird it was. But what? picture these boundaries. They came in and they carved, Annette came in and carved a smaller boundary within that boundary. And within that boundary, the presence of God came. And what she did was she made the most of every opportunity, even in the process of getting PTSD, even in the process of it breaking her down physically, emotionally, the stress. She still made the most of every opportunity. Well done. Well done. Yes. Amen. <laughs> to the point where that diva doctor I mentioned reached out to me. And wanted to talk to me about problems in her family. And it was, it was a mind blower. We ended up over at her house talking about her kids. And it's, it's one of those things where you think this could never have happened. But let me tell you something. There is such power when instead of trying to get out of what we're in, we realize maybe God put me here. And I'm going to make the most of this opportunity. And perhaps within the box that Christ gives me in the bigger thing. I can make a difference for his glory and for his honor. That is the power of mindfulness. That's the power of knowing where you are and knowing what he's up to. Can we pray together? Father, we love you. We honor you. We bless you. Lord, I pray for my friends. God, may we take the mind of Christ that's been given to us and incorporate it into our life, into our experience May it begin to change the storyline and the narrative of our life. Jesus, thank you. Holy Spirit, come and... With every head bowed and every eye closed, would you do something for me? Would you ask the Lord to show you what you need to do from what you have experienced today? Just say, Lord, what do I need to do about this? What about my situation? What about where I'm at? Somebody here just probably needs to whisper, I receive the mind of Christ. By faith, I have the mind of Christ. Just, it's the truth, so just embrace the truth. It'll set you free. I have the mind of Christ. Maybe all week long you make that just a statement that you say over and over. Put it on a card. Stick it somewhere on your phone where you can see it. I have the mind of Christ. I'm mindful, aware, attentive, eyes wide open, engaged, present, in the moment. Teach us, Lord. We're here to learn. In Jesus' name. Won't you stand to your feet? Let's go out with worship. When we finish singing, we're going to have some team and staff and elders up here at the front. 
If you need prayer for any reason whatsoever, we're here for you. We'll just be down here at the front as we finish this song. So let's go ahead.
Father, we love you and honor you. God, we appropriate the mind of Christ as we step into a new week. And we're grateful in Jesus' name. Everyone said amen. amen. God bless you. You're dismissed. We love you.